Hello everybody. Welcome to Catfish Weekly 63 Bowl Shooting. We're going to be bowl shooting all night long. <laughs> if there's if there's a bowl to be shot, we're going to shoot it. So, uh, yeah, I'm not doing the intro today. I've been having computer problems and getting things loaded. Um, so I didn't do the intro today. We'll do it tomorrow. I know you guys really want to hear the theme song, but uh, I apologize. Um, yeah, we're just going to be talking a little bit about this and that, you know, whatever you guys want to talk about, post it up in, in the chat. We'll, we'll talk about it most likely. Um, you know, try to try to keep it catfish related, <laughs> fishing related at the very least. But, uh, if you want to go ahead and get it started, uh, Chuck, you know, whatever you want to talk about, give her a go. Um, who, who's ready for some good old uh, spring and summertime night flathead fishing? Oh, yeah. Y'all going to try to get into that? Y'all going to do some of that this summer? I do that every summer. So what about where you, does Lyle? that rank up? I like to catch them. There ain't nothing I'd rather catch than a big old flathead, but we do so much tournament stuff that it kind of knocks out the uh, the opportunity because, as a rule, you won't win tournaments with flatheads. But when it comes to fishing, I just assume catch a big old flathead than anything there is. Well, where does that rank on your uh, going out and having fun priority, just going out and trophy fishing, having a good time with friends and sitting on the riverbank with them on, on a deep hole or going out in your boat and uh, just chilling out all night waiting on a good run. A flathead fishing? That is, that is the number one uh, thing for me. Uh, just simply because there's nothing better than a big old flathead taking a five or six inch live bluegill and, and running off and trying to jerk the rod out of the rod holder on you. That's just about as good as it gets, best I can tell. I haven't caught a big, oh, yeah. big flathead yet. Twenty-something pounds. No, they're, they're, the, they're the king of cats. Now that's just the way it is. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big priority for me, uh, especially this year, because last year I just about missed um, all of spring. I didn't get to fish very much, and then, uh, you know, doing so many tournaments and everything, but. I had promised to get Leanne out and try to get her a 40 or a 50 pound flathead. Um, her biggest one now is 32, and you know she's wanting to get her a big one, and that's what she wants to do. So I ain't gonna have no no fuss about it because I enjoy doing it too. So every opportunity we get, we're gonna you know try to round us up some good live bait, and uh, every every opportunity we get, just try to get out here beside the house on this coosa and see what's out there waiting on us. Um, the, this river right here is really loaded with, you know, 20 to 25 pound flatheads. It's it's really amazing how many's out there. Um, after seeing, and, and usually catch them in pairs, like you'll catch, you know, twin 13 pounders or twin 17 pounders, and man, it's just weird how you know the certain sizes that hang out together. Um, you know, that would be really great to hook up on twin 40s or something like that on a double. But just seeing the population of flatheads uh, on this area of the river, and I'd been reading about it, um, 
I can't see how there's there's any fish left in the lake. I mean that the way. I mean they're just wide open, and when they're hitting good, you cannot keep a bluegill in the water, and you you can just pull 12 to 20 pound flatheads in all night long. But I don't know if that's. I mean the biggest the biggest one we've got out of here, uh, Mirror Leanne, is 36 pounds, and I just don't know if the the, the by them being so populated, if, if it's actually a, affected the, the overall size that they can get, because I've heard that lakes that are uh, really populated, you, you know, the growth just isn't there. And this Coosa River, it should produce some pretty big flatheads. I've heard of some, you know, 50s and 60s being caught, but I haven't gotten anywhere close. Now, John says he wants us to talk a little bit about targeting flatheads in tournament situations. When you have uh, events or water where the waters where the flatheads are, but not blues. I don't I don't fish anywhere like that. Any place that that I've been in tournaments in the last God only knows how many years, the blues are so predominant, and you can catch them easier that it's so much easier just to target them. I can't think of one good flathead in all the tournaments that we fished. It was a 48 or 49 pounder two or three years ago was caught at, at our local uh, on the Mississippi River there at Louisiana. The guys caught it down around Clarksville, but, uh, you know, they was fishing for blues when they caught that. You just, in the tournaments I fish, you just, people that target flatheads are not going to compete with the guys that catch blues just because the blues are, are so much more aggressive during the daytime and, and, uh, uh, I, I don't target them during a tournament. I just do not do it. I mean, uh, I usually throw some live bait, and I'll, I'll take some and chunk it up by uh, some structure or something, hoping that I'll get one, but I don't count on it because most of the time the blue will find it before the flathead will. Uh, but if I'm going to be flathead fishing, it'll be in a night tournament for sure. John, um, for me, I actually do fish tournaments where there's not blues and there is flathead, so... Um, we actually have, well, we have one tournament called the Flathead Bash on the Ohio River where you can only turn in flatheads. Uh, it's a good tournament. It's a fun tournament. Um, it's a section of the Ohio River that is pretty good for flatheads. Um, there, I want to say, you know, I, every year it's, uh, there's quite a few real nice ones, you know. 40, 50 pounds or so brought in. That's that's nice for around here and everything. But that's a nice one anywhere. Yeah, and uh, it, it is a real fun tournament. Most of the time, uh, what I see in here, you know, I, I don't know everything. Like I said, I've only caught a 20-something pound flathead. My wife, I think, has caught a bigger flathead than I have. So um, the uh, live bluegill and all the different species. A lot of a lot of people that I talk to uh, for for. Flatheads, they really do prefer. There's different species of bluegill. When I say bluegill, I'm talking bram or bream or whatever you want to. You know, everybody has their own word for them and everything. I call them all bluegill. Um, but the green sunfish uh, is one of the ones that a lot of the guys that fish for flatheads really seem to prefer of species. Um, I like pumpkin seeds too a little bit. I, I don't care much for the rock bass. Um, I'll use uh, just a regular bluegill. Uh, I'll use any of the any of the bluegill that I catch, and I, I've never done well on a creek chub 
for, for flatheads. I've always done my best. I've never caught a flathead on cut bait. Um, I hear all these guys catching flatheads on cut skipjack. I've yet to do that. Um, even in even in the springtime, I just for whatever reason I always catch them on live bait and live bait only. So I was like that for years and years. And Cindy and I went over and fished a tournament in uh, uh, over near Peoria, Illinois, Tri County, uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, I caught three or four flatheads on cut shed that night. And it was the first time I just I thought it was people blowing smoke up my butt. I didn't think you <laughs> caught them on that. I just thought they was talking crap. But uh, that night, and then none of them was big. But uh, we caught a lot of flathead that night on cut bait. There wasn't no giant ones, um, but they did bite them. They was very aggressive. And John wanted to know about blues on the Illinois River. Well, uh, there is blues over there, John, but uh, they're not real big and they're not real plentiful. You'll you'll catch bigger and more channel cat than anything. But like I say, we caught some some nice flathead. Now you know. Uh, the channel cats over there, they catch channel cats on that Illinois River in excess of 10 pounds uh, uh, several t times. And, um, you know, you can get some big old flathead in there. But uh, the biggest the biggest blue I've seen caught up in the main part of the Illinois River in Middle State was around 15 pounds. And I know they get some bigger ones up there than that, but that's the biggest I personally have seen brought out of there. Most of the tournaments over there are one on either, or, a, you know, somebody will get a big fish with, with a big flathead or uh, mostly channel cat. Uh, another thing, though, with with the regulations that they put in place on the Ohio River, and 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 hopefully, you know, other places where they're where they've been hurt in numbers too, you will see people basically having to uh, target a flathead. You know, if they if they have a th you know three or five fish limit and they're only allowed two blues over 35 inches. Um, you, your only choice at that point is to look for a 20 pound or so, whatever size underneath that 35 inch, um, that you can get on another blue or possibly, uh, try to target a flathead because you could have, you know, a, a flathead over 35 as well and two blues over 35 and have a, a really nice bag to bring in. John, uh, wanted to know if, if, uh, if you thought it'd be worthy of fishing for, uh, uh, blue uh, flatheads instead of blues over on the Illinois River in a tournament. John, if you remember correctly, the day that we had that tournament over there in Havana and you had boat trouble, that tournament was won uh, by Ken. Uh, dang, can't think of his name. Him and his partner caught two really nice flatheads. They got big fish and total weight, and uh, and they had two really nice flatheads, and they were fishing about a half mile from where we found that big rock on the side of the bank that day pre-fishing and slackline catter says are the blues in the twain and yes there is blues in mark twain lake uh, a lot of blues in there and they're growing um, there's enough fish being taken out of there on lines and stuff that they're not growing at the rate they should be it has some really nice flatheads in it and some really nice blues um, that's one of the lakes that has not been utilized in the state of Missouri, but it's happened. And the reason why the catfish don't utilize that lake is because of all the crappie and bass guys that's on it. And, and uh, people don't want to fight all that crap going in and out of the ramps and on the water and stuff like that. That's, that's my opinion anyhow. I don't ever go up there hardly than I could. And they're saying that there's a lot of people on that have it says Jay Jeffers says we catch hundreds of flatheads every year from one to fifty pounds on cut shad, skipjack, and moon eye. 
on the Kanawha and Ohio River. Yeah, I I believe that they're really uh, hon honing in for the uh, vibrations and stuff for live bait. But uh, you know they're, they're going to use their other senses also, and if they're hungry and the and the cut bait is uh, fresh enough, um, they're not going to turn it down. Uh, usually springtime is my best time for cut bait. They usually kill it in the spring, um, I guess, because you know coming off from being dormant, they're um, you know they got to get their energy back. The, the water's still cold. They don't. They're not really fast and, and really active until the water gets on up in the 60s more. But, you know, every spring it just seems like the, um, you know, it's my favorite time to go out and just, I can fish for blues or flatheads as long as I'm not drifting. Um, if I'm just regular, uh, you know, spider rigging um, and I've got rods all the way around my boat, and um, I'm spot locking over certain places, and uh, and I'm not moving around a whole lot. Um, I can catch flatheads uh, suspended off the bottom that way, but um, I, I've never caught a flathead on a drift. Um, no, I haven't either, and I know some guys that have. Here's a good question, John. Just come up with guys. Do you sit longer in one place for flatheads than you do? anchor fishing for blues well from my perspective I say yes because flatheads are a little harder to catch and you got to give them time to find the bait you usually set up in front of a brush pile or a rock pile or some sort of structure so for me I would have to say yes and in the meantime I've got a couple of, of lines tossed out uh, on the drop-off or, or uh, in the main channel or something what do you guys got to say about that I would I say yes too, but normally when I target flatheads in a tournament, if I if if I'm also targeting blues, normally my game plan is if it's a daytime tournament, the first thing that I do is is early in the morning I get to my flathead spot as quick as possible, get baits out, and normally I'll give a spot 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. Flathead fishing, I might give it I'll give it that two hours. Flathead fishing. Then after that, I'm I'm on to bluefish, and I'm hoping to get the flathead. I give it that that two-hour window that I consider the the prime time for flathead to bite, and, I, and then I move on to the bluefish. And then if I'm doing night tournament, I'll uh, I'll do the the drifting for blues first, and then when I feel like that sunset has happened, and and there's there's normally with flathead fishing that I've done, it it, it is really random and on the body of, or on the river and the body of water but it almost seems like there's two times during the night that seems to be a hot time and it could be like either right after the sun sets or it could be like and then the next one would be at like two o'clock in the morning uh, and it's just that's what I've seemed to recognize so if I'm gonna target flatheads at night I'll give spots longer when I anchor up on them, but I'll probably give them about about an hour uh, in a piece. Well, most of my flathead fishing is done at night. I will try them early in the morning, but uh, you know, past that, I won't. Here, you guys that are that are really paying attention, uh, we have we have the privilege of having Doc Lang on tonight. I assume it's Doc. It says Tim and Lynn, so I'm guessing that it's Doc. 
uh, Doc says high water conditions, he uses nothing but cut bait. Boys and girls, if Doc Lang says that that's when you need to be using cut bait for flathead, you can take that to the bank because that's what you need. Yep, he definitely knows his stuff, and he's put out lots of valuable information that probably each and every one of us has uh, uh, turned to and, and learned from, and, you know, the guys that do that are, are the, the predecessors of who we are and what we're doing right now. So That's exactly right. Yeah, oh. uh, you know, flatheads, for, you know, moving around a lot for them, uh, you know, if I, if me and my brother or me and Leanne go out and we fish from uh, six till two in the morning, um, you know, just trying to trophy fish or whatever, we might hit three different spots. But sometimes we'll sit in the same spot all night. If if we find a spot that we're comfortable about, and we'll put, you know, uh, six or eight really big baits on, um, live baits, we'll 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 try to find somewhere that I believe is a travel path, uh, maybe a channel edge that's close to a path. If I find a really nice place that I'm catching a whole lot of bluegills or something like that, I know that's that's probably where those flatheads are going to go feed. Um, you know, and on the slack side, on, on the current break, where a lot of small bait fish, brim, carp, and stuff like that are holding, um, you know, I'll fish a little further out from where I catch the bait fish, and I'll, I'll try to catch them flatheads moving in to, uh, you know, try to ambush and feed on them. But, um, you know, a lot of nights I'll sit in one spot for, you know, six hours, you know, I may only catch a fish one ever, you know, couple of hours. Sometimes right, you know, right at dark, we may catch five or six in a row within about a half period. But, um, you know, if I real, feel real comfortable about a spot and I believe there's a trophy in there and um, I think he may be traveling through there sometime that night, you know, I'll sit on it all night with big baits and, uh, you know, hope I get him. Yeah, the, what would you say, like, uh, when you're going down the river and, and and you're looking for a flathead spot, um, do you just look for trees falling from the bank down into the water? Do you look for a tree that's that's actually just in the water sticking up? Do you go through, look for side imaging, and look for a tree that's laying on the bottom? Do you fish that, or do you, or do you look for other things besides trees, rocks, or just any kind of structure, or? What what would you say that you're when you see it you're like oh man there's a flathead probably sitting in there. Oh, who you yeah, talk? Uh, what? Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, uh, you know at night time you know I fish for flatheads different than I do during the day. You know in the daytime they're usually holding close to structure. Um, you know, and I'll I'll fish the log jams and stuff like that mostly during the day. I'll get up current from them, and you know I'll I'll try to get my uh, you know my bait down as close to the log jams and stuff as possible, the structure, and fish for them that way. But you know, mostly at night I try to set up um, you know around a bunch of structure, but I try to find a nice travel path that. I think that they they may be using a, a a channel ledge. I don't know what depth of the channel ledge they may be using for their highway. I'll get on the channel ledge. I'll put 
I'll put a few rods up in the shallow stuff around five, eight feet, and then I'll put a couple more around, you know, 10 or 11 feet, and I'll put a couple, you know, around 17 or 18 feet, and then I'll put a couple out 25 or 30 feet, and I'll just cover that all depth of that channel edge, hoping that they may be moving from uh, some nice structure, log jam area, into the opening of a creek or a nice slough. Um, you know, and mostly nighttime, I believe that they're going in those areas uh, where the water's calmer. They're able to uh, use their senses better uh, to, you know, to hone in on, um, you know, what size, you know, bait they're looking for. Um, you know, because I'm thinking a 60-pound a, a flathead, I don't think he would want to run around all night trying to eat, you know, 10 three-inch brim to get full. I think he would probably be trying to use his senses and 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 find that vibration of that one nice fish that he knows is edible and go after that one fish, eat it so he can go back and lay down again instead of doing a lot of running around. That's the way I think about it. And that's why, you know, a lot of people say big, big bait, big fish. Um, you know, that pretty much for me, uh, you know, that's true. You, you know, it's just with flatheads, you know, you can get, get you a big bluegill um, bigger than your hand and you put it out there and you're like well nothing's going to hit this and all of a sudden a 15 pounder just tear it up like it's nothing um, you know so if you got baits out there like that that they can they can knock them brim off there all night that's why it's good to get you a couple of you know 15 to 8 inch uh, red horse suckers and stuff like that that you know them little flatheads aren't going to be they may be trying to hit at them and stuff, but they they probably won't make a good runs with them. Um, you know, and space a couple of them big boys out. Maybe put one, you know, on your on your second rod and another one about on your sixth rod because if flatheads are they're supposed to be able to uh, sense in on vibrations for you know you know yards and yards away. You know, 50, 100 yards. They're supposed to be able to feel vibrations and and, and pretty much know what they are you know and if they're interested in it heading that heading that direction so you know that's why I'm not worried about fishing my baits closer together I just try to space them out on that travel route and and hope I'm putting the right baits in the right place for uh, when they're coming through that um, my baits what they're looking for for the night yeah he uh, John also asked uh, do you deliberately injure your live bait yep I do Cut the, I cut uh, you know how they have the fork tail on the end. I normally cut the the top or the bottom, sort of, and cut it off just the bottom part of it, just the fin part, uh, and then I'll I'll cut the uh, uh, top, um, the top fin. I'll cut it almost completely off, but not down into the meat. Just I got a pair of almost uh, like head shears, but they're just little. They're big scissors almost, but they cut through that stuff like with ease. But Lyle, yeah, what do you do it for, Lyle? You can scale them. Yeah. Well, number one, I don't I don't injure any of my bait that I'm using live for flatheads because you've already got it to where it looks injured. It's fighting that hook. It's stuck in its butt, and uh, it's got a sinker holding it down, so it already looks injured, so I don't ever worry about, about cutting them at all. Um, 
what I'm looking for when I when I'm looking for a flathead spot, I'm usually in a curve of a river uh, where there's a flat uh, a, a landing with a drop off, and I'm looking for rock piles and and uh, uh, trees that are underneath the water, completely submerged. And the thing that I look for that has to be there, or I won't even consider it, is some type of deep water close by, and I I mean within 30 or 40 yards because that's the first place they'll head. If they can't get to the brush pile or the rock pile, they're going to that deep water. And if you can keep them out of the brush or the, the rocks, they're going to that deep water. I'll take my chances with that deep water anytime uh, over top of, of trying to pull one out of a brush pile. If he gets that brush pile on you, uh, your chances start dwindling pretty quick whether you're going to get him out of there. And Slackline Catter says, what do we do different between lakes and rivers for flatheads? More structure. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll... A lot of lakes seem to have... There's, there's, Everybody, you know... I, you can't go to a bait shop and talk to a guy, any lake or reservoir that has a dam, and... and not hear the story about the fish down there is so big they're bigger than Volkswagens and divers came up and quit their jobs. Yeah, that don't happen. It happens every single every single lake in America for whatever reason has these fish in it. But they're not there. Them but fish nobody nobody's found them. No, they're not there. But uh the dams I believe that, you know, they're that they, they probably do they're you know during Certain times of the year, the dam is probably a good area. There's a lot of structure on the bottom. It's deeper water, probably near flats and things like that. But uh, normally, if I'm on a lake, I'll look for... Um, there's normally coves on just about every lake, and the coves has a lot of timber in it, uh, and it's shallower. Um, I normally hit those up for flatheads. Coves that have have a deep opening is like a creek channel to me uh, where, where the where there's always at the end of the cove there's some deep water so if you can find structure up in that cove or up in a creek that's dumping into there I'm all over that oh big easy it's this ain't a show about flyhead this is we're shooting bulls here man <laughs> just, just what you guys are talking about we're talking about it with you and it got onto the subject of flatheads so <laughs> We're just answering you asked questions. asked me what was going on. Yeah, you just asked me what was going on. I said, I'm ready for some nighttime flathead fishing. And well, he's talking we're about Eric this Borsa the of Kansas City, and Eric catches a lot of flatheads during tournaments. He really does. He catches yeah. some big blues, too. Yeah, he does. And he ain't a very big guy. You know, I'm surprised some of them guys he fishes with don't cut him up for bait and use him. He's just a little feller. Major Brown says, do you slice into the sides of the bluegill to release more scents? I do not. I have not sliced into them. I have taken like a, um, like a fillet knife or something and actually just pulled some scales, just a, just a few scales, not a ton, just enough to where it might flick scales off or, or do something that, again, might trigger something in, in the fish. I don't, you know, I, mean, I can't, I don't think anybody can say for sure they know you know, having some scales coming off will or will not help trigger anything. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I don't even always, you know, trim my uh, the fins and things. Sometimes I throw them on there. You know, I mean, like we've talked about this before. You know, these fish are eating these fish whole and 
not cutting stuff all the time, not even on a hook with a with a sinker weighing them down. So um, yeah, they're fighting that sinker. They're fighting being hooked up already. So uh, they 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 create so much commotion down there that big flatheads will find them. I promise you. Yeah, and they 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 can snatch a bluegill off of a hook. I mean, they're the they can steal some bait, you know. And you know, even if you're thinking you're gonna have time to, you know, to rake some scales off and to damage them, some nights them little you know five to twelve pounders are hitting your bluegills off the hook so fast you you wouldn't have time to do anything to your bait except get another one back out there. You know, now, and have to. Here's a question for you guys, and 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 for all the. The others that are involved in there, uh, do you always hook them up in, in the head or do you hook them in the tail when you're using live bait? I personally hook them in the tail, and the reason that I do that, a few years ago we was, we was specifically fishing for flatheads, and every one of them would not get the hook, and they was pulling the scales off these babies, and I knew it had to be a flathead, and they was. They was about eight pounders. And we ended up catching two or three of them out of that spot, but we never caught a fish till we changed the ends of it and started hooking through the tail instead of the head. It, it depends on the current for me. If it's strong current, I'll hook them in the lip so they will face the current and the, uh, you know, instead of the current swim swinging them around backwards and the the current going through their gills the wrong way, and. Uh, you know, if it's pretty mild, uh, just a moderate current. Uh, if if I'm using a sinker slide and a you know 18 inch leader, I'll hook them uh, from underneath behind the tail so they can kind of swim up. Um, and you know if um, and I'll use a a three way swivel. Um, you know so they can won't tangle my line up as bad, but. You know, I'll uh, a lot of times I'll hook them uh, through the top fin also. You know, right right behind the uh, dorsal fin. It all depends on water conditions most of the time how I hook mine. But a lot of times if I hook them, um, you know, in the mouth, um, you know, for some reason the the hooks doubled back into the bait when I missed the fish for some reason. I don't know what's up with that, but. You know, they they seem to live longer, but for some reason, you know, I'll miss the fish. I'll pull it in, and the hook will be hooked into the bait. So I got to figure that one out. You just need to watch the lateral line. Don't go too deep in the in the back and hit the lateral line. That's when you kill them. Yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, when I hook them in the lip, uh, for some reason, the uh, the hook will spin back around and stick back into the bait instead of uh, pricking the flatheads in the mouth and uh, setting the hook. You know, I've had some really good runs. Uh, I had one turn my boat around 90 degrees and was taking drag, and I went to turn him around, and the hook was buried all the way into the bait. And I just don't know if he took off with the bait and never had the hook or when it came out of his mouth, uh, the hook jabbed the bait again. I don't know, but it was it was pretty deep. But you know the way the what I'm doing now uh, is using uh, double hooks on everything from now on. So I'm getting on both on both ends here lately. All right. Well, before we go on, I'm just gonna let that slide. 
What's that? Him getting it on both ends. Uh, <laughs> before we go on, um, we're doing a contest this week. We're doing or this month uh, caption contest. Uh, we did Chuck. Uh, we did Chuck's picture this week, and it got put up a little late. I apologize. I I tried like my darndest to remember to do it that night, and then I forgot and tried to remember to do it before I left in the morning, and I forgot, and then I was gone. <laughs> so I got it put up. It didn't get a full week. I apologize, but we did choose a winner. Um, he had the most likes. Heath Malone. Uh, his comment was he had 15 likes and his comment was dang I forgot my shirt in Fud's hot tub so it was pretty funny we liked it he had the most likes um, so congratulations to Heath he won and I wanted to have a video for you guys to show you uh, the guy who makes these products and was selling these products that was out at the Indie Boat Sport and Travel Show uh, I've got a video with him. I'm having trouble getting it from my laptop over to... I've tried doing all kinds of stuff. I've put it on a DVD. i burn it to a DVD, and i put it on a USB stick. Just having problems with it. I also haven't got a hold of him to make sure that he has the code set up, so I can't give you guys the code yet either. Uh, but hopefully next week all this will be ironed out. But Heath, here's what you want. I'm going to go ahead and explain it to you guys a little bit. I'm going to show you what it is explain it to you the best I can uh, and then hopefully we'll have the video and you guys will be able to watch it next week uh, but it's a complete set of bobbers uh, they're slip bobbers and here's kinda what they look like this is the large you see the slice right down the middle of them you can basically put this directly on your line and then you close this top clip here and the, and the bottom clip and it stays on your line and you don't have to cut your line to take it off you just open it back up take the bobber off and it is good to go so they're really cool he was selling the crap out of these things at the indie boat sport and travel show uh, they're not in stores yet they're they're more from the uh, I think they were Wisconsin area so they had them in some local stores around there uh, probably will be in some bigger stores before too long but this is the large um, you're gonna get that large the medium the small and a mini he's Sloan this is what you're winning you won all four of those bobbers plus you're gonna get the bobber stops that he has these are also a patented uh, invention of theirs this is the applicator. It's actually a special um, almost device where the uh, bobber stops are inside of it and you just put it on your line and you take a, a pair of needle nose or a pair of like clippers like this and you just pinch it and you'll hear it snap. You see on the back there shows a picture of them doing it. Um, it snaps right on the line. It stays put. It's just like most bobber stops where you can slide it, but it has enough uh, tension where it's going to hold um, the bobber in place when, when you get a hit or anything. So you're going to get that applicator with the uh, bobber stops in it and a refill pack. So you're going to get all this. I'm going to send it all to you. Or actually, I might see you here Saturday, so I'll just give them to you there. 
Um, and that's just coincidence, guys. There's no favoritism going on. <laughs> he got the most votes. That's yeah, he got the... He got the most votes, so we decided that he would be the winner. So if you guys, uh, you know, get your friends or whatever to go and like your posts and stuff, it'll help you win. I got a question for you, Chris. I've got an answer. Is it going to be the right one? No. Okay. You was talking about the video and stuff that you're trying to get hooked up. If you get that done, can we put that on our Catfish Weekly Facebook page? Are yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, as soon as I get it up and everything, I'll post it on the page and in the group and all that. And that'd be cool. I, I think that'd help these guys understand what they're what they're after. Because from my perspective, that is a pretty cool looking deal, and I'm anxious to see the video myself. Yeah, there. I, I I bought some. I mean, well, uh, I got I, I got a whole thing of them myself. Uh, every person that I know. I mean, I've had buddies that came from Muncie up to the Boat Sport and Travel Show and. Uh, I had a great time talking to this guy. Me and him were, you know, like two peas in a pod there. Um, you know, so basically we had this little thing where uh, I, I told him, I said, uh, you know, I said, I need, I'm going to make up a FUD deal for you, and you need to offer the FUD deal to people. And I said, but only only to select people. And I said, I'm going I'm to call you, and when, uh, when I call you, I'm going to give you the sign. When I give you the sign, offer them the FUD package. And he's like, all right. And he's like, what's the sign going to be? And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak my nipple. <laughs> so I call him. I'll be like, Calvin. And then I'd, I'd go like that. <laughs> and he'd offer him the FUD package. And <laughs> he actually sold a few of them. So, I mean, we, you know, we were the, uh, you know, we were having a good time out there. And, and he was really cool. And, you know, he, he told me take whatever I wanted for, for us to get away. And um, also, uh, as soon as I confirm with him that he's got the code in, I'll tell you he's got a code on his website, and it's going to give you something. And I, I won't tell you what it's going to give you or anything, but it's pretty cool that he's doing it for us. Um, so that means that anybody that wants these can go to his website and be able to order them. Uh, I'll tell you right now, his website is called clearlyoutdoors.com. Um, so you might even be able to go there and see if he's got any videos on there showing it or anything. But I do have a video of him showing exactly what they do, how they work. Um, Ron Streeter did he did say they were going to be uh, available at the Tackle Service Center in Mooresville and Westside Bait and Tackle. But uh, yeah, congratulations, Heath, on on winning these. Um, I'll get them to you. Either if you're not going to make it to the tournament, I'll uh, mail them to you. If if you are, I'll just give them to you then. Um, these are great. I I honestly, I bought a bunch of the minis. I do a lot. I think the minis and the smalls are going to be perfect for like the minis. If you guys do your bluegill and creek chub fishing, I think that's perfect for that. Um, also, the small will work good for bluegill and even crappie probably. Um, but yeah, that's what I'll, I'll be using the smalls for crappie more, uh, and the minis for my creek chubs and things like that. I think mediums would work too. They're, they're, they're a little bit bigger and the largest is pretty large. I don't, I probably wouldn't use that too often, but you could use that for catfishing if you just want to float a piece of, of uh, shad or something around. But, uh, it, like I said, it is really awesome that he gave it to us. I appreciate it. Um. And uh, everybody who wins on the uh, 
on the caption contest, that's what you're going to win, that exact package. I got a bunch of these packages. I got four of these packages to give out. Uh, so we'll get a picture of Lyle up on here next. After this show, we'll put a, Lyle, a picture of Lyle up, and you guys uh, do a caption contest. You uh, Can you give us a size on that big, uh, biggest one that you're sending me? Like... Uh, the biggest bobber there that you got, or float, whatever you want to call it. How, the biggest one, how big is that? Um, the float part of it, I, it's not even that. The float part of it's maybe two inches. Will it to support, will it bring, is it big enough to bring up a, uh, a hand-sized piece of a cut bait? No, I don't think so. Okay. Like I said, I think it's more, it's going to be, these are more for your bait fishing and uh, crappie fishing. Um, sure, cool. You know, yeah, there. it is really awesome that, you know, you don't got to cut your line. It holds on good. Um, you just clip, clip them on there, and then you can open it up and, and take them back off, and you don't got to cut your line off or anything like that. Um, they're only... Um, I want to say two, two or three bucks a piece or something. They're not horribly priced at all. They're really inexpensive. You think that they might be more, but they're not. Uh, he even has these. Um, he even has these with a uh, with a light on them. So if you want to get one um, with the light, where you can buy, it's the lights that you can buy at most tackle shops. That fits in that. Uh, so he has those available as well. You're welcome, Heath. So, uh, Chris, did you uh, get to play with your new toy, that uh, ultra trolling motor you got, Ultera or whatever it is? Yeah, but before we go on to that, I do want to, Vince just said, if he sends me another friend crest, would I accept? I have. I've accepted every one you've sent, all 48 of them. What's that? <laughs> he keeps getting... Uh, <laughs> Band stick from Facebook for you know having to invite all of his friends back because he got banned the first time and they got they need to make an adjustment to that somehow that's ridiculous yeah I mean every time you send it Vince I do accept it unless I'm out of town and I don't see it right away but I mean as soon as I see it I accept it um. Yeah, Major Brown posted the sizes on there. He posted the sizes of all the bobbers. Um, I'm, t I'm, I'm sure the links that he's talking about are the actual stem and everything, not the actual float of it. So. Three and an eighth. Three and... Well, three. Uh, that's big enough to support a pretty good size. A three and three eighths, or three and five eighths, that's, that's big enough to support a pretty good size uh, piece of cut base. Remember, this, yeah, is a, a golf. this isn't foam or anything. This is just a hollow air plastic bobber. And and that three inches is not the bobber. Like I said, that's not the float size. That's the stem included. Yeah. So the actual, like I said, it's about two inches for the, for the actual float. And about three-quarter inches is what he said. It's probably about three-quarter inches. That looks that looks like an inch. That's bigger than an inch. 
Well, it looks to me like I'm going to have to get some to try them. That's all there is to it. <laughs> I can't stand it if somebody's got something that I ain't. If I think it'll work and they're because they'll beat you in a tournament. If they got something that's working and you ain't got it, they're going to win. Here, I got actually here. I got a tape measure right here. Look. <laughs> Let's see here. Yeah, and that's a foot, right? Let, uh, let me get it talking on there and. So they're over two inches long. All right. Yeah. You, know, you couldn't hold anything steady if your life depended on it. Hey, man. You could have put those <laughs> in the Easter basket. He probably did, but he missed mine. Did you get those in the Easter basket, Fud. Yeah. So, yeah, it looked like it was a little bit longer than two inches. Just a just a hair longer than two inches on the on the actual float, but like like you said, I mean, he was selling these things like crazy out there. I mean, just about every person that stopped and watched his little presentation bought these things. So, <laughs> oh man, John. <laughs> But uh, also, yeah, you were asking about the Ulterra. I got my, like, while I was gone, um, and I'll talk a little bit about where I was at, too. But when I, while I was gone, finally my Ulterra, I got the 112-pound thrust, 60-inch uh, shaft, iPilot Link Ulterra trolling motor. And I got home, and it was sitting here waiting on me, and I got it installed as soon as possible. You guys might have, may or may not have seen my Facebook post. My first post was uh, basically as soon as I got it installed out in the driveway, you know, my wife out there helping me, my son and stuff, and and uh, I get it out, I get it out there, and I hit that, I hit that uh, deploy button and watch it, watch it lift over and start going down, and I look at my wife and my son, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> they both just rolled their eyes. <laughs> but I get a, I I did. I get I got to go I went walleye fishing last night, the first time I got to use it. Um I, I did exactly if you guys seen the commercial for it, I basically did that exact thing. And I got to my uh, local lake, I, I went out, I took the straps off, uh primed my bulb, you know, got everything ready. Um, back, you know, and there's everybody out there that's going walleye fishing. Um, they pretty much, they were all showing up at that point too, so they were all out there. And uh, I backed the boat down in the in the lake and just sort of threw it off of the trailer, off the trailer. You know, no rope, nobody on it, no nothing, and it's just sort of going backwards. And I had people just giving me the weirdest look, like I just. Like I was special or something. <laughs> I was some kind of special. And uh, I just stepped out of the truck, deployed the trolling motor, uh, drove it over out of the way, hit anchor lock, went and parked my truck and trailer, walked back over to the dock, drove the boat over to the dock and picked me, picked me up. And uh, I got to using it, and we used it for uh, a few hours out there, you know, using anchor lock and just driving me around a little bit for... Uh, uh, some walleye fishing out there. We caught some walleye. I brought some walleye home and, and got it in the freezer right now. But it was absolutely, it, it's the coolest thing since sliced bread to me. 
And it does. Uh, did you, it does have a uh, manual. If you need to manually like uh, stow it or anything, it has a, a lever in there. You can manually do it. Um, comes with a strap too to tie to like a rod holder or something, so it doesn't come down for any reason. It also has a lot of people worried about you hitting the button or something. It's not just a one button thing. It's almost a, a button and then confirming. You know, so you have to hit it twice. Did, was your uh, did your boat already have a 36 volt trolling motor on it? No, I had an 80. Have to, I had an 80 before. So you had to uh, hook up the third battery and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've had the one. I've had the 101 Tarova, but not on this boat. I went. I went the next year. I went to an 80 um, Tarova. So I mean, I've dealt with the 36 volt before. Uh, but it wasn't on here before this, and, and then I and then I got the 112, and it's the 36 volt. But yeah, I went and I had two of the uh, uh, Walmart Group 27 Marine batteries. I had just bought. They're about they're probably seven months, eight months old. Uh, normally, when you have batteries, you know your trolling motor is going to be about as good as your worst battery. Um, and so a lot of a lot of times, I like to make sure they're all brand new batteries, are all the exact same, and um, you know, but I felt that these were new enough to where I could go get another Walmart battery with them, and and I shouldn't have any problems. So, yeah, when, when you're going when you're going from um, from a seventy to a one twelve, you know, you, since you're going up twelve volts, you shouldn't have to worry about your wire size because you're uh, decreasing ramp draw, but did did was was it uh is there anything special you had to do when you put that third battery in? Did you have enough room around the other two, or did you have to uh, put it in a different spot, or how'd you work that? No, the front of my boat, the storage in the front of it, I got a lot of room. Matter of fact, I have I have four batteries in there right now, and I could probably put two more in it. And I have two in the back of my boat, so I have six total batteries in my boat. But, uh, yeah, there's four in there now. I've got two of the, I was telling you guys, like, last week or the week before, I have the uh, Minn Kota Precision Chargers. I have a four-bank charger that's leading up to that front area, and that's charging all four batteries in that area. And then I have a three-bank charger that's, I've got two of the banks charging my, uh, my, my live well battery and my starting battery right now. And then a third one just in case I ever need it, I guess. All right, so you're never going to go dead on the lake. I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's that. You know, you forget about that when you're, uh, you know, flathead fishing all night, and you got, you keep your, uh, you know, you keep your electronics on. You got your, uh, your air, your couple of aerators running, keeping that live bait going. You got your anchor light on. Uh, you know, you're charging your phone. Um, you know. It, you just don't realize how much battery power you're using until you go start that boat to leave, and <laughs> um, you know it's dead. <laughs> so you got to have that other battery ready, or and there ain't nothing worse than that. I know. I mean, you just forget about it. You know, you sit in one spot for five or six hours, just you know, chilling and um, not well, worrying about you know not being in a hurry, and then you're dead and have to switch batteries out I've, and all that. And I've figured out is that I do not run anything off the starting motor battery except the starting motor battery. Nothing else is hooked up to that. It, I will always be able to start as long as that battery is good 
uh, trolling motor batteries. They run trolling motors. I have a separate battery for my lights for night fishing, and uh, uh, which you know I actually have four bad five batteries in my boat. Uh, I have a backup for the starting motor that's on a Perco switch, and uh, you know I can use either one of those or both of them if I'm running into a situation of some sort where, like, the key would happen to break off and run a battery dead. Uh, but you know, uh, I don't. I try not to have anything except the starter hooked up to the starting motor battery. I don't want that thing not to start, no matter what. Yeah, I have my starting battery. It's only my starting battery. That's it. I have a battery that is just for my live well. Uh, it runs my pumps, my lights, um, my air stones, um, my power bubbler, uh, and that's all just for that live well. I have one pump that is basically my accessory pump that, that runs my fish finder and my 12-volt socket for running a, a spotlight or uh, charge my phone or whatever I want to use that 12 volt char or plug for. Uh, that's basically my accessory battery, and then I have three more batteries that are uh, all for the trolling motor. Do you have any uh, other type of charger for when you're on the water except for your uh, starting battery? Nothing else charges. You don't have any hummingbird. Uh, the the charger that you can hook up to charge a battery while you're running down river, not none of that stuff. I do. I've got a minor to the to the alternator on the charging system on the boat motor. That's and what I have. It charges three batteries while you're going down the river. I got it hooked up to the to the two for the trolling motor and the one for the lights as I go down the river because it already the alternators are charging systems already charging up your your uh, main battery. I just have right. it for my main battery. Yeah, I need to see. Yeah, because your boat motor is automatically doing that. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen those chargers, and they're pretty sharp. And you know, if you're going to go out like I did this week and go on the lake for you know 36 hours straight, and you're not around any, not around any 110 or anything, um, you know, it, the, that would come in handy to have well, the uh, onboard charger like that. They put out five amps to each battery. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot of times we'll we'll run thirty forty five minutes to a spot, and uh, if it's not fully charged and you're going to be drifting, it'll be fully charged by the time you get there. Unless it's way down, if it's way down, then you need to charge it overnight on one or two amp charger or something, or five maximum. But uh, seems to work real well for me. I don't really have any issues with it, I, and it's you know it's it's a little bit larger. I mounted up underneath the dash and. Uh, you got a purple wire that runs to your charging system or your key switch, and and uh, one that runs to the to the batteries that charge the you know off of the the charging system, and then the others go directly to the batteries. It's very simple setup, but it needs to be out for to get air because it will get warm. Yeah, I need to look into getting one because I could see where I could get into trouble. Um, you know, not with my charging battery. I'm not worried about it. I mean, my starting battery. I'm just worried about my my other batteries. You know, well that you know this power drive. Um, you know, it's a lot better than the last trolling motor I had. I've used it. Uh, I was on the water for 36 hours, and there's a test button on top where you can see how your batteries are charged. And both of my trolling motor batteries are 2011, so they're about to about to dust at any minute. 
and I've got and I I was down to uh, three quarter. So I only used a quarter of my battery charge in, in uh, you know, two two days and one night. And I stayed I stayed spot locked in the current uh, most of the time uh, when I was you know catching bait up by the uh, the turbines and the trash gate. I was spot locked in in the current seams up there, and a lot of times I would look down, and my trolling motor was running, you know, sometimes seven, eight, or nine, uh, you know, trying to get me back on spot. So it did a lot of work this weekend, and it hardly used any battery. And I don't even know how good these batteries are, being three or four years old. Well, the easiest what I'd recommend to you, Chuck, is to get somebody that's got a uh, a, a draw where you can draw test those and uh, load them up and make sure that they're about equal because yeah. they need to be as close as, as you can get them. If they're still testing good, I wouldn't worry about the one I'm testing. Man. Yeah, they're good money for them, you might as well get all the use out of them you can. Yeah, they're, they're testing good on voltage and um, the, the, my charger, um, you know, that they're both getting charged about the same time um, so they're they're pretty equal I just don't know how much longer they're gonna last usually right about that five-year mark it's like clockwork they've got a a little self-destruct button in there where you gotta go buy two more yep yeah the uh, when I was talking a little bit earlier I said I'll let you know let you guys know where I was at where I, when I left uh, this week um, if you guys remember a while back in December or somewhere around there, I believe, Dece uh, well, not December, but uh, um, I forget when the month was that we gave away the Gary Turner's uh, guided trip. Uh, well, Ron Streeter won it. Um, well, myself and, and Ron ended up going down to fish with Gary. Um, wasn't necessarily a guided trip. It wasn't the waters that he's at, but we decided we'd all go fish uh, Wheeler Lake and just, uh, have a good time and try to catch some big fish down there and um, you know Gary ended up catching a, a 50 pound blue uh, I love going down there me and Ron caught skipjack we he caught a striper um, you know the area is just beautiful we had a good time fishing the weather wasn't horrible at all um, it rained a little bit um, I did have my brand new uh, Frayville F2 surge suit which I absolutely love it. I mean, I was completely dry, and it's the first time I've been dry in the rain in a long time. <coughs> it was, it was, it was uh, night and day difference from what I've used before. So I, I, I really like that suit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I caught a couple. I caught a couple blues, a 15 pound and a 10 blue. Um, we're marking some fish. We weren't marking a lot. They were. Uh, they were a little difficult to figure out and to find, um, but like I said, we, we had a good time. Ron had a good time, I believe, and and uh, you know the cabin was nice and and the scenery was nice. We caught some fish. We were out there on the water. It was beautiful. So uh, thanks for get thanks to Gary for um, for going out with us and offering up his trip and and. Uh, you know, it was really awesome. We, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a real, real nice guy. You want to go out and have a good time and just catch some fish. Um, get a hold of him. 
yeah, I'll be fishing a tournament with him here the beginning of May if he don't back out on me. But uh, yeah, he's gonna be fishing a Cabela's tournament with me on one of my home lakes here. So I've never fished with him before. He's supposed to come down pre fishing. I, I think it's gonna be fun fishing with him. <laughs> yep. I don't know how you could beat a guy like Gary in a boat. He's just such an awesome dude to start with, and uh, very knowledgeable. And uh, it was really great of him to give that trip away. We, we can't thank him enough. Also, when when um, just other things that have gone on, we uh, um, got back from the Wheeler trip. I spent about an hour with my wife. Uh, went to bed for three hours and then drove four hours to go fish a tournament on Saturday. And coming back, me and Ron drove through a lot of a lot of rain. And I mean, it was every river we went over was up in the fields. And I mean, every river was blowed out bad. I kind of thought they were going to cancel that tournament, but they didn't. Uh, and I was wanting to fish that series this year, so I went ahead and went to it. I got I fished with a guy I've never fished with before, Travis Woodruff. Um, Fished on a section of river that I've never fished before. Uh, it was all brand new to me. I've, I've, I've fished down below it, and that's ended up where I ended up catching some fish going down to area that I knew. But, um, yeah, we went, and there was 12 teams. Uh, like I said, the river was blowed out bad. It was up probably 20-plus feet than what it normally is. And... Um, we ended up in second place. There was only three teams that caught fish. Uh, all the three teams that caught fish were, um, they only caught two fish apiece. And like I said, these are these are guys that are, they know this stretch of river. Um, they're all, for the most part, local to it. Um, so I, I was pretty proud that, you know, I, I went and, and we caught fish. Um, you know what? Where other everybody else in situations like that, I really, I really enjoy it. Honestly, I think that tournaments um, should be about different conditions, different areas, as long as it's safe. Um, and and it was for the most part safe. I will tell you guys this: I was going about 30 mile an hour, and it, I thought for sure I was in. The river, you know, I thought for sure that it bent this way, and I was going with it. Next thing I know, I'm—I mean, I'm coming to a, a grinding halt in the mud. Um, I had took my boat up in a cornfield, and I mean, I took it up in there hard and fast, and I was probably 10 yards, 15 yards into the field, and so I had uh, Travis get out of the boat at first. He had uh, the muck boots on and everything. He was out there trying to push it. I mean, we were out of the water so much the boat was kind of teetering, and the water was on the drop. So I told him, I said, the longer we're sitting here, the worse it's going to get. Um, we ended up both getting down to our underwear and having to get that boat off there. It took us about 45 minutes to get that boat out of that field. Well, there's an image that will stick with me from now on. <laughs> <laughs> what river was you on, Chris? We were on uh, White River. It was the uh, one of the East Fork, I'll say. I don't know. Who, whose tournament was it? It was Southern Indiana Catfishing Tournament. Southern, That's Indiana. What I mean. Southern Indiana Catfishing. Sounds like a great time. Congratulations. Good job. Thank you. I, like I said, I I like that when, when you have different conditions and things where especially it's tough and stuff, it's 
that's when you have to think about where the fish are, what's going on, and, and really adapt. And, you know, the conditions can't be perfect for everybody all the time. And, and uh, you know, if you can start to figure things out like that and, and do it in a uh, the fastest, I guess, you know, that that's how I think a lot of guys win these tournaments is, is figuring that stuff out the fastest and where they're at and how they're going to bite and what you need to do to get them. Uh, so... Hopefully I keep it up this year. I, I'm I'm positive that I'm gonna I'm definitely you know gonna have a positive outlook on trying to do that this year. I want to have a good year this year. Um, so I hope I keep it up. I really do. I feel like I've learned a lot and I'm learning more. You know, really, you know, we're 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 trying to help a lot of guys on the show, but there's a lot of guys in this chat that help us. I think just as much. Oh, uh, there's a lot of information being shared, and, and I think it's awesome the way we're doing that, and, and we're trying to keep everybody, um, you know, real cool together and sharing everything we have, and, and it's awesome. I really like it, the, the group of guys that are that are participating in chat and that are on the panel here. You're all good people. But, yeah, the tournament was pretty cool, man, and... One other thing that I have before I let everybody else go and talk about what they got, Catfish Magazine. You guys might have seen the uh, the ad that we have on the website for the top right, the Catfish Magazine. You might have seen one of the many posts that Doug Smith posts. He's really pushing it pretty hard, and uh, we need to support it, guys. I mean, really, you know, if you want to see industry come to catfishing, you want to see different... Um, you know, sponsors and things like that, big time money and and stuff, and and really adding to the pots of big tournaments. And it starts with doing things like supporting uh, Doug Smith and this Catfish Magazine. You know, and that that goes to you know buying a subscription. Um, he posts on there that it's thirty five dollars. Well, that's Canadian, so I'm gonna let you guys know that it's not actually thirty five dollars when you do a, a conversion from U.S. to Canadian. You end up paying about twenty eight bucks for a year. Uh, and that's print. That's the print issue. Um, you can go to that website now. If you click on that, you can go there and you can use PayPal to buy uh, your one or two year subscription to it. And you know that's that's uh, that's how we're going to try to keep this sport growing is by supporting the guys who are uh, putting the media out there for us. And and you know he he is definitely going to be on the same page as us for CPR guys and and not promoting pay lakes and or anything to that to that effect. Um, so definitely uh, help support them, keep it growing, keep the sport growing. Uh, Going to be lots of, I, I believe I might even have some articles in the print ones. Um, there'll probably be a few uh, few other guys that, that we know that are all going to have articles in there. Um, he has some top-notch writers involved with that and some really, really good articles. You guys need to check that out. Yep. So. Well, the uh, if you guys have anything else you want to talk about, or Lyle or Chuck, or. Well, Greg's oh. asking about the uh, Alabama tournament trail this weekend. Yeah, we got one for from I've never fished the lake. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that I'm going yet. I hope I'm going to make it. 
but um, yeah, it's it's the um, it's the furthest lake down on the Coosa chain. <clears throat> so you got Weiss Lake, you got Neely Henry Lake, you got Logan Martin Lake, you got Lay Lake, and you got Lake Mitchell, and then you got Jordan. It's all the way down, but close to Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah, but um, hopefully there's a good turnout of boats, and we'll have a good time. Yeah, Slackline said he took his two and seventy yards into a marsh and bottomed out, bottomed out the whole boat. Nobody could get within fifty yards and pull him out. He was in fifty degree water. That I was in. Our water temp was fifty four degrees, and we were in far enough where I, I was concerned about how even another boat was going to get close enough. To, I mean, they'd have had to throw something to us. Uh, we were really pushing that boat through the mud. For for a good little ways. I mean, it took it took some muscle power for us to get that boat out of how stuck it was. And and I was gonna tell you guys this, even though, you know, there was local guys there. Like I told you all, except for me, the local guys got their boat stuck in the same place I did. So I didn't feel as bad. <laughs> I mean, they they thought. I mean, it it just it if you looked at it, it looked like the river bent that way, and it did. But I guess the the bank to the the field was a little closer than what you would think it should have been. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, um, yeah, everybody everybody makes mistakes and stuff, and those those mistakes where you got to get out in the water, man. <laughs> that's the first time that's happened to me. I and, and there'd be a lot of people that tell you that I'm like a cat, and I hate to get wet. Now, honestly, I don't mind getting wet. Like, if I've got a like just a bathing suit on or something, but I hate being in wet clothes. Like, if I'm in a wet shirt or wet pants or anything, it drives me crazy. I can't stand it. Uh, I always have a spare set of clothes in my truck, like I said, because I can't stand it. And that's one of the things that you know, I've, you've heard me complaining, and I was talking so good about this uh, Fraybill suit. It's because, you know, the other the other rain suits that I've wore all end up being soaked, and it just it bothers me. It really, really bothers me. Um, so, you know, go ahead. What you guys got? What are you talking to? What are you guys? I don't know. Chuck, you got anything? You see here? Um, oh, there well, <laughs> Not really. What about what a uh, bull shooting? Anything to bullshit? <laughs> Yeah, whatever. You got anything else? You got anything to close out or anything? Um, not really. I, you know, just what uh, I answered Greg's question about the Alabama uh, Catfish Trail tournament this Saturday. That's about all I got. Um, you know, to close out with. All right. If y'all through. Well, like my catter said, maybe we ought to have Doug on as a guest sometime, and I'll try to contact him this week. That's a great idea. Doug is a real knowledgeable person, not just about catfishing, but he has many, many different magazines and different things that he's involved with, and he might be able to shed some light on a lot of areas that we're not, we don't cover here. So that that's a great idea. Um, I want to mention that uh, Twisted Cat Outdoors will be having a tournament in Louisiana, Missouri this weekend on the Mississippi River. The water and weather is going to be really, really nice. If you guys get a chance to come out and join us, it's a $100 entry fee. Uh, come on up and catch some fish. They ought to be biting because after that rain, they're going to be ready to go. 
So uh, we'd like to see everybody that can make it come on out. Um, when, when you watch our videos and stuff uh, on YouTube or on Google or wherever it is, please like and, and leave a comment or a thumbs up or down so we can kind of keep an eye on what we're doing. It's really, really hard to know how many people is uh, watching the show and if we're doing the right stuff or not, and it would be greatly appreciated if you could take a second and do that. Um, there's one other thing that I like to mention. Uh, some of the posts have been removed off of the Catfish Weekly Facebook page, and, and it's basically advertisements for other companies. Um, I just want everybody to understand that we make zero dollars off of doing this show. We do it because we enjoy it. Uh, if you want to promote a fishing reel company or some other type of company, have them come on and get us a little ad. It does only cost you $50 for six months or $30 for three months on the site. Don't be placing ads for other people uh, and, and using our Facebook page for that. That is for members and people that belong to the, uh, that want to see pictures of kids and other uh, fish that people has caught. It, it's not designed to promote fishing reels or uh, rods or, or anything like that. Uh, if some question or something comes up, we'll try to address it. But, you know, if you want to promote one of the real companies, just have them get on here at a $30 for three months, guys. All we're trying to do is make a, a break-even point here. We're not asking to make a lot of money. We enjoy doing the show, and, and that's not too much to ask. And the guys that get their proposed removed, if they're mad about it, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, you have to understand where we're coming from, too. Uh, but that's uh, about all I have for this week. All righty. Uh, yeah, the uh, Indiana Catfish Association has had a interesting change of events this past few days. Uh, if you've been following any of that, I can try to explain it um, the best I can. We had a tournament scheduled for Worthington this Saturday. Uh, I believe it's the 11th. Um, the river, like I said, was blown out, and we're going to be getting nothing but rain all week long. So it's going to be, it's going to, there's going to be some bad flooding going on in Indiana, I would guess, this week. Um, so we had a tournament for the 11th that was at Worthington, which is in the White River, I believe. And then we had a tournament on the 25th, which was Geist. We decided we were going to switch them and have the Geist tournament on the 11th and the Worthing tournament, Worthington tournament on the 25th, so that way we gave time for the, the river to come back down uh, and be more safe. Well, when we did that, I announced it, and we didn't figure Geist would have a problem with it and they kind of did. They're going to have like a 150 boat or 130 boat uh, bass tournament on Geist that day. Uh, so we didn't really want to have to deal with that. So we actually moved the Geist tournament to Morse. So, and making a long story short, as of right now, this Saturday, ICA has a tournament at Morse Reservoir. Uh, in, in Like around Indianapolis, I believe it's north of Indianapolis. Um, but yes, the the ICA is having a tournament. It is a points tournament, uh, which means you can you have two options. This year we're doing two things. You can pay the twenty five dollars to become a member, and you can fish all the tournaments with no not uh, paying a membership fee again or anything like that. And it includes any children that you have living with you, uh, eighteen or younger, I believe. Um, or you can do it. 
to where you pay a $10 one-day trial membership. And if you're only going to fish one or two of our tournaments, uh, this might be an option uh, more likable for you. And you can pay instead of $25 a person. If you and a partner want to fish, you can both get a 10-day uh, or one-day $10 membership. And the uh, the $10 one-day trial membership, basically, you'll you'll be able to fish it just like any any other tournament. Pay the same $60 entry fee, but instead of $25 a person for current uh, all-year membership, you pay $10 a person. And if you get into the money. Um, we'll keep an extra 10%. So if you let's say you win $600, we'll keep 60 of it for the club. Um, you know, and that's only if you get in the money that they'll they'll keep that 10%. So it's just something where guys that, you know, if they're only going to fish one or two of the tournaments and don't necessarily want to spend uh, 50 extra bucks for them and their partner to go fish a um, you know, a local tournament or something, they can get into it for 20 bucks instead of 50. So get into it a little bit cheaper. We're, we're trying to get as many people that we can to show up at tournaments and trying different ideas out and see how they work. Um, so hopefully everybody understands and we can get some more people showing up and people like it. So far from just talking to people, the reaction to that idea has been pretty good. Um, so hopefully uh, we see you guys out there this weekend at Morse. Morse, Morse might be a little muddy and stuff today. Like I said, we're going to have rain all week. But it should be on. Shouldn't have a problem. Um, I do believe Morse has a launch fee of ten dollars or twelve dollars or something along that lines. Uh, so keep that in mind as well. Um, you know about the advertising? We have advertising available on the website. Uh, well, I just got done talking about it. Thirty dollars for three months. Fifty dollars for six months. Uh, I know I've had a few people talk to me and say they were going to get with me about getting some advertising on there, and then they haven't got back with me. Um, if you're interested, get it, get with me, and I'll help you get something set set up. I can even help you make a uh, an ad an ad block for it. Um, so just get with me, and I'll help you out with that. Um, thanks for everybody that showed up tonight. You guys were awesome. You know, we just did our uh, every once in a while. We just like to just shoot some bulls, you know, and that's what we decided we we're going to do tonight. I think we shot a few of them. <laughs> Native crossbows. <laughs> They're not a sponsor, but they're a sponsor for Indiana Hunter. <laughs> so no, shout out, shout out. I will, I will say this: Native Crossbows. Uh, you know, you guys remember us talking about Jason Malone's daughter, and we did the, uh, we did a shout out for the uh, GoFundMe page that they had, I believe, uh, to help with some medical expenses, things like that. Um, you know, she she had the stroke, and she's she's rebounded nicely. She's recovered. She's working on. Um, all our motor skills and everything now. Native Crossbows made a custom crossbow for her, for her to be able to crank back the, the, the string, be able to shoot it uh, from a chair. Um, it, it is one of a kind crossbow, and the fact that they did that for her, I think it, that's you know that's a that's a company you want to stand behind and and support. You know when they look out for uh, anybody that's willing to get out there and, and want to hunt and. Um, and fish and things like that, you know. So congratulations to uh, um, to her for getting that, and for them to them for doing it for her. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that they stepped up and, and done something for that little lady that that uh, somebody should have done, and you got to commend them for that. That's an outstanding gesture for for her, and and I'm glad that she's doing well, and and uh, thank everybody for their support for them. Yep. 
so uh I guess I'll see you guys this weekend if some of you guys anyways and if uh you're catching lots of fish you're most likely in my spot so you know you know what you need to do you need to get out of my spot I'm just kidding you can fish my are you, spot are you gonna post another picture this week I will post another picture as long as you stay out of my spot it'll be of Lyle all right stay out of my spot okay <laughs>